Father, we ask that you would help us to be able to see and receive your word. God, we ask in Jesus' name that, that while we're looking at something that's a little bit technical, maybe, uh, Lord, your word still speaks and, and you, you have the capacity to have your way with each of our hearts. And so, Lord, we're trusting you for that tonight. Lord, we, wanna, we, we don't wanna just grow in knowledge. Uh, we wanna grow in knowing you. And so, Lord, help us to see the beautiful picture that's here, and, and, uh, and Lord, that, that it would draw us closer to, to you, that our faith would grow, and that, Lord, you'd use us uh, to be that much more faithful in declaring just the exceeding precious promises, the great treasure of your word. And so, Lord, help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, verse one says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church and he killed James the brother of John with the sword and because he saw it please the Jews he proceeded further to take Peter also and then you see this phrase it's key to the passage then were the days of unleavened bread and when he had apprehended him he put him in prison and delivered him to four quatrains of soldiers to keep him, intending, watch it now, after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Okay, so yeah, you need to know up front the Greek text that underlines the, underlies this passage. Uh, the Greek text is metatapasha, right? It, it literally, literally translated into English, it would be after the Passover intending after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. So why does our authorized version say he intended to after Easter bring him forth to the people? So we need to keep Easter and the Easter day, the Easter title straight in our Bible. Passover itself was given to the Jewish people in Exodus chapter 12. And this is what God says about the Passover, the Pasha feast itself. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. So here's how you lay it out to the people. Verse three, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little, for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to the eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the, from, uh, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take uh, of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein uh, shall they, uh, they shall eat it. Uh, they shall eat the flesh in that night. This is why they had to do it by count. You know, how many people does it take to actually eat this critter? They shall, uh, they shall eat the flesh of it in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden with all, at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, with the putrence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. 
and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So there is the Passover feast introduced in your Bible. We know that it takes place in the month of Nisan. This becomes the first month in the religious calendar of the nation of Israel. On the 14th day, they keep this feast in the Hebrew calendar. Leviticus 23 tells us that what follows is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that lasts for seven days. Leviticus 23, verse four, here's the holy convocation which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the first month, even at even, is the Lord's Passover. We just read about that feast. Verse six, and the next day, right, verse six, and on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Unto the Lord seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy and holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So there is the feast of unleavened bread. It takes place seven days after the feast of or, uh, the feast of Passover. Now, go back to Acts chapter 12, and we find out that Herod is persecuting the church, verse one, kills James, the brother of John, verse two, and because everybody in the religious leadership is digging it, now he's gonna kill Peter. And then the Bible tells you, then were the days of unleavened bread. That means what feast has already passed? Passover, it's already over. Passover's over. Okay, so that's critical. Peter was arrested and imprisoned during, right, not before, it's during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so after Passover, which means if it's gonna be after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the text tells you he's intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So Peter was to be judged after Easter. You say, that doesn't help me yet. Well, biblical deduction demands that Easter, based on this text, falls after Passover and after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So why the word Easter in our text? Okay, so stay with me here. In, again, in the Greek, the word that's translated here as Easter, it's Pasha. Let's just be up, front, let's be up front about that. Everywhere else that word is used, it's translated as Passover. Everywhere else in the authorized version except this passage right here, it's used as Easter. And there's a history of this in our English Bibles. Okay, Tyndale, Coverdale, Bishop's Bible all used Easter as the translation for Pasha here in this text before the authorized version was translated and published. This is, um, you know, in your King James Bible, you've got some words, they'll come to some words and they're like, we don't know what to do with this word and so they'll Englishize it. They'll just make a new word and now the English language has a new word. Sometimes there will be words that need help in the receiver language and they will put, they'll put the helper words in in italics because the James gang, whenever they translated the text, they wanted you to know, hey, this word isn't necessarily in the original or the underlying text, but you need it in order to know exactly what was being said in the original language. And so they put it there in your King James Bible in italics. Sometimes they have to use dynamic equivalency and because the, the translators could not technically use the word Passover and let the, le- let the reader think that, that, that uh, Luke is confused about what went down during these feast days, 
Okay, Passover is what? When Peter's taken prisoner, Passover, Passover is already over. It's already passed. Passover passed, Passover over, okay? It's during, the, it's during the feast of unleavened bread that he's taken into custody. So they use this word Easter because they can't use the word Passover and then have the translation give an incorrect meaning, right? So they have to use a word that gives the correct meaning. That's your next blank. So every translation to some degree has to do this because in order to say in the receiver language exactly what you are communicating in the original language, you have to change some words. There's no way around it. If I say in Spanish, soy un hombre muy guapo. Huh? I was hoping to hear a few amens, but I, you know, whatever. Okay, so if I say what I said in Spanish exactly the way I said it, and man, very handsome, or am a man, very handsome, you'd be like, what are you, a moron? But in the, in the Spanish language, what I said very elo- eloquently was, with, for a man with stumbling lips, what I said very eloquently was, I am a very handsome man. But if it's t- transliterated into English, am uh, and man, am and, am and man, very handsome, it just sounds like, you know, who taught you English? So what I have to do is I actually have to change the words in the English translation to say in English exactly what was said in Spanish. Is everybody with me on that? That's just the nature of going from language to language. That has to happen. Again, what do we have in our authorized version? We have the very word of God in our English language. Now, sometimes the words are different in order to say exactly what was said in the Greek, the Aramaic, or the Hebrew. And praise the Lord. We have an accurate translation. It is the very word of God in our English language. So why is it Easter here? Well, we know from the text that Herod is not gonna kill Peter on Passover itself. That's why he took him in verse three during the feast of unleavened bread. So the Passover is passed. Peter's taken prison during this feast of unleavened bread. So to translate it as Passover, that would then implicate that the Passover day would technically be wrong, right? Don't, don't let the reader think that, that it's after, I mean the word in the Greek, it's after Pasha. Herod intends to, after Pasha, take Peter out. He's gonna put him before the, Peter, before the people. Peter's gonna be destroyed. Okay, so what do you do with that? Well, we know from verse four, Peter's imprisoned. We know from verse four, that his planned execution is a, at a future time and it's after this Passover, it's after this Pasha. So it's after, it's after some kind of Passover. What are we talking about? Well, first of all, don't miss the picture. When was Peter delivered? You just keep reading in Acts chapter 12 and we see a very glorious, a very dramatic deliverance of the apostle Peter. When does it happen? Well, it happens after Easter. That's when Peter gets delivered from a death sentence. It's after Easter. And brothers and sisters, there's a picture there that is the picture of the gospel itself. When did you and I get delivered from a grievous death? I mean, we had the sentence of death on us, didn't we? When did we get delivered from a sure death sentence? What was after Easter? It was after the resurrection. So, okay, so let's get down to why the word Easter itself. 
Everybody asks, I mean, this is, this is how I came up hearing it and, and I've heard this, you see this on social media every Easter. Uh, isn't, isn't Easter a pagan holiday that's been Christianized? Uh, wouldn't it be better to say, instead of Happy Easter, Happy Ishtar Day, wouldn't it be better to say Happy Resurrection Day? Wouldn't that be much better? And uh, I just want you to know, you're gonna have a tough time proving emphatically that Easter is a Christianized pagan holiday because you, you make the case that Easter kinda sounds like Ishtar. You're gonna have a tough time proving that point because, because I'll just give you the source material, it's there in your notes. The primary source material for this view is from Alexander Hislop. He wrote The Two Babylons, brilliant man. I recommend everybody read the book at some point in their life, you're gonna get a ton of insight. Uh, I could live 100 lifetimes and never be as smart as this cat, but, but I'm giving you the, the totality of the source material from where most people get this view that Easter is just a Christianized pagan holiday. And it's this statement right here. Uh, Alexander Hislop just said it. He says, look at Easter. What, does the, what means the term of Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. It bears the Chaldean origin on its very forehead. Easter is nothing else than Ashtarte, one of the titles of Beltus, queen of heaven, whose name as pronounced by the people in Nineveh was evidently identical with that now in common use in this country. Um, and then, he, and then he, he labels it. You know, it's right there on the Assyrian monuments. It's Ishtar, Easter is Ishtar. And so he just makes that assertion. I grabbed the book in its digital form just to make sure I wasn't lying to you tonight. I searched on every time the word Easter shows up in Alexander Hislop's book, The, the, the uh, Mystery Babylon, and that's what he has to say about it. He doesn't prove it, there's no source material, there's no, there's no references, he's not quoting any source material, he just makes the assertion. So that's what you need to know is that's a scholar's opinion of the source of the word Easter. Now, here's, I mean, here's why Easter, okay? This is why you have to have some word in your King James Bible that keeps you straight on the fact that Passover already passed and we're talking about a different Pasha and it's something that's observed by God's people. Okay, so Resurrection Day, you just need to know this and there's plenty of source material for this. Resurrection Day in the early church was called Pasha. What we would call Easter in the early church, they called it Pasha, so you had the Passover, the Levitical, the, the, the Jewish feast, and then you had a Passover, a Pasha, that was representative of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the early, early church called it Pasha. They called it Passover. And, and it was used for both. It was used for the Jewish feast. It was used for the resurrection of Jesus. That, that Pasha, the resurrection of Jesus, we call it Easter. Now, you need to know this. Greek speakers, even to this day, call our Easter holiday, they call it Pasha. And they mean by that, they mean Easter, they mean Resurrection Day. Uh, modern Greek speakers are not talking about, I mean they can use it to refer to the Jewish Passover feast, but they also use the exact same word to describe Easter itself. 
Here's the next thing that you need to know. Easter is actually a proper English word for the Easter holiday to refer not to the Passover specifically, but to the resurrection of Christ. There is a history and an etymology of the word Easter. Uh, It's absolutely uh, an old English word. It, It comes from the old German, and it just basically means rising. It means from the east. Uh, We actually use it that way today. Uh, Somebody from the Northeast, if a big storm comes rolling in, they would call it a nor'easter, right? What kind of, what what storm are we, it's a nor'easter, you know? I mean, like, we actually use it that way. It's, it's, It's rising from the east. This is how the King James translator, this is how that gang, this team of translators, understood the use of the word pasha by born again New Testament believers throughout church history. And so I give you Appendix two at the back of your notes. It's a chart that makes my brain hurt. I, uh, I thought, you know, I'm gonna just get my head around uh, golden numbers and the formulas to calculate them. And I looked that online and I went through all of that and I'm like, okay, so now I know how to calculate golden numbers and, and, uh, and I can work the ch- I thought, you know, I'm gonna need a whole week if I'm gonna just like to just teach that chart, I mean, education is slipping, y'all. This was just an insert in the, in the first edition of the King James text and, and uh, we would need a whole math class. Uh, we'd have to learn some algebra to get our heads around it. Okay, so it, I'm, just tell, I'm just telling you that chart makes my brain hurt if I look at it too long. So, but there it is for you and what are they saying? Here's how you find Easter forever. That's what they're saying. What are they talking about? Pasha, they're talking about Resurrection Day. Here's, and that's what they called it. Here's how you find Easter forever. Why? Because they knew and understood that's what the early church, that's what the church historically has called the resurrection. Yes, there's a Jewish feast called Pasha, called Passover. But also, there is a recognition of the born-again bride of Christ of Resurrection Day the day that Jesus' empty tomb was discovered. It's a big day for the local church. So to translate the word Pasha as Easter, that's how the translators clue you in on what went down, why? Again, Easter, the English word Easter, is a designation of location. Did you get that? Easter, yes, we use it to describe what happened on Resurrection Day. I'll get to that in just a second. It's primarily a designation of location. It means rising. It means literally from the east. So we celebrate Easter because salvation, because Jesus, right, salvation comes with the rising of the sun. Don't miss this second critical picture. Salvation comes with the rising of the sun. So on resurrection day, when did they discover the empty tomb? Matthew 28 verse one says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, as it began to dawn, when it begins to dawn, that's signified by what? Dawn comes with the rising of the sun toward the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, they came to see the sepulcher. Mark chapter 16 verse two, and very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. When did they come? Very early in the morning. At the rising of the sun, that's when they discovered the resurrection. That's when they found out about a risen Lord and Savior. 
So the time of Jesus' I mean the time of discovery of Jesus' resurrection was literally during the Easter. Do you see that? If we go by what the English word means, the discovery of the empty tomb was literally at the time of the Easter, at the time of the rising of the sun. Where does the sun rise? Where does it come from? It comes from the, the east. I'm not sure how that works on a flat earth, but whatever, okay, so. Lord help us, okay. It's literally during, that it's literally during the Easter. See, here's what you need to get. Remember what we saw in Exodus chapter 12? Passover starts when? It starts at even. Remember that? It's at even. You're holed up. I mean, you just did the count. How many of us is it going to take to eat that lamb or that goat? Okay, so this is our group. And we're going to roast with a fire. Passover starts at even. Don't miss that picture. Passover starts at night. Salvation starts with the rising of the sun, and let's change the spelling this time, S instead of S-U-N, let's put S-O-N in our blank. Salvation starts with the rising of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember how he's described in Malachi chapter two when the sun, capital S-U-N, of righteousness arises with healing in his wings? That will be salvation for Israel at the end of the time of great tribulation, but isn't that exactly what happened to you and I? Whenever we saw the risen Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus, wasn't that the time of our salvation? When the son of a righteousness arose with healing in his wings? Uh, again, you know my testimony, that happened when I was 12 years old. That's whenever I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the picture, okay, don't miss this. Easter replaces Passover. Passover has to be kept every year, doesn't it? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That Jewish feast, they had to keep it year after year. They had to keep that Passover feast. Christ's sacrifice is a once and for all sacrifice. Verse 11, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but they just had to keep doing it. Time after time, year after year, but this man, the son of righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. That's why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, what did he say about him? Behold, what? The Lamb of God. Why, he is the ultimate, final sacrifice for everyone. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So there it is. Passover starts at night and it just has to, for the, for the religious Jewish believer, it's year after year after year after year. Praise the Lord. This is why Christians historically have not had the Seder meal. They don't practice Passover, or they don't practice the Passover feast and the rituals and the rites. They don't do that historically. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you want to do that as a teaching tool and to get insight into, into, into biblical history, Okay, but there's no, there's, no, there's no favor with God that comes from that for the believer. Why? Because our Passover <laughs> is the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is a once for all sacrifice. He doesn't just pass over our sin, man. He washed it away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Passover every year at evening. Okay, one time the sun rose with healing in his wings, changed everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Uh, man, I have, and there's nothing wrong 
with saying happy resurrection day on Easter. Nothing wrong with that. But there is an actual descriptive word. It's in your King James Bible. It describes exactly what went down that day. It's Easter. It's Easter. The discovery was made at the rising. It was made when the sun was rising from the east. Man, praise the Lord for Easter. Easter replaces Passover. That's the picture of what's in your King James Bible. I mean, and it's beautiful, and it keeps you straight, and you know exactly what went down in Acts chapter 12. The Easter feast itself was passed, and to call it, or I'm sorry, the Passover feast itself was passed. In the middle of the days of unleavened bread, Peter was taken prisoner, because they're gonna kill that cat. And so after Easter, there's another Pasha, and even then, right, the historical records show the believers called the resurrection of Christ a Pasha. It was another Passover that was designated, not for the feast itself, but for the resurrection, the discovery of the empty tomb. Man, praise the Lord. Don't miss that picture. It's a picture of salvation. Easter replaces Passover. Why? We have a savior. Now, for the guys that, you know, all the people that are talking about, well, you know, it's, it, I, it's, a, it's a Christianized version of a pagan holiday. Well, you can't emphatically prove that, but okay. There's people that are gonna hold that view. Why go to war? Keep the focus on Christ. Use Easter to point to our resurrected Christ. That's exactly what Paul did in Acts chapter 17 on Mars Hill. Uh, He took what was there, he took what was in place. And so for the person that's convinced it's a Christianized pagan holiday, well, man, praise the Lord. Steal, Steal the devil's memorials and preach the gospel of Christ, amen? Amen. Right, let's take every opportunity to point people to our Easter. (laughs) He is the risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, so with that, we had a lot of people visiting uh, this last Easter Sunday. We had a lot of people respond to an invitation to the gospel. Uh, We gotta stay full of faith that a lot of people are going to be responding to that invitation to the gospel. And so we wanna pray for that. For those that made professions of faith, We want them to move forward in faith. So can we pray for that? Those that maybe the seed of God's word was planted into their heart, man, let's water that seed with our prayers and our tears. And so can we close? We got a, David, are we singing on our way out? Or are we out, huh? Do you wanna sing some more? I I didn't get tired of praising a while ago. Okay, here's how it will do. We got a minute. Let's just get in a group. Everybody grab a prayer partner and let's pray for the word, the seed of God's word that was planted into hearts on, uh, on, on this last Sunday. Let's, uh, let's, let's water that seed. And then once you're ready, we'll close in worship uh, as you need to. You're dismissed. If you need help or if you've got questions, you're welcome to come forward. One of our leaders will meet you there. Maybe you got a question about what we talked about tonight. Again, tonight was very different. Uh, from a normal prayer meeting time, but, uh, but uh, it's good that we looked at it. But if maybe you have a question about that or you need prayer over some situation specific in your life and you want one of the, the elders, one of our pastors maybe to pray with you or for you, uh, then I just wanna invite you to come forward. So everybody grab a prayer partner. Let's pray for souls and, uh, and we're dismissed.